When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. We got beef. We got beef. Yes. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. That is your Dr. Pepper call in line. And don't forget, you can be a part of the program. You can always hit us up on Instagram as well, at that guy Carlin, at Fortenball. Joseph, how about the Niners? And the Cowboys getting after it a little bit after the fact. So, for those who missed it the other night, in the midst of the 42-10 beatdown of the Cowboys by San Francisco, George Kittle, I believe it was after his third touchdown, lifted up his jersey. And when he pulled it uh, up, it exposed a T-shirt that said, Blank Dallas. Blank Dallas. Visit Dallas? I don't was it a tourism it advertisement? I, I don't believe it was, you know, visit Dallas. Big <laughs> Dallas? No. 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 Uh, it was the big one. It was the big one. So, obviously, that rubbed some people the wrong way, including Micah Parsons, who had this response yesterday on his podcast. George Kittle had three touchdowns on us, and he posted this thing to IG. He said, F Dallas. I just feel like he's making it more, way more personal than it had to be. Kittle's my guy, but I'm going to say this. Laugh now, cry later. We got something for that. Just trust. If we see them again, just trust. And we're going to put it just like that. I ain't going to put too much on it. You're going to make it personal. We can make it personal. That's cool. Well, that That's an awfully big if, if we see them again. And I don't think there is going to be an opportunity for them to see them again. Because that would assume that somehow the Cowboys got past the wild card round into the divisional. If they make the playoffs. Well, uh, then Debo Samuel went on Up and Adams today on FanDuel with Kay Adams. And Debo had a little response for Micah Parson. It was already personal before the game started. Now, um, 42 to 10, I don't think you like want to see us again. It might be a little bit worse. Okay. Wow. Debo. I don't know what we trust. Micah. <laughs> Micah, Debo, I don't, I don't know what to say. I'm getting uncomfortable. I don't know what we trust. We trust, you know, laugh now, cry later. I mean, I don't think you want to see us again. You don't want all the smoke. And you know what? Debo ain't wrong. Because that game, Joe... That game was not about anything more than the Cowboys being manhandled all over the place and being beaten from pillar to post. First and foremost, I love this. I love everything about this because I want to believe that the players are as invested in these rivalries as we the fans are. The thing that kills me the most, and and I don't blame any of the players for this, but the thing that kills me the most as, say, an Eagle fan, or maybe if you're a Raider fan and it's the Denver game, whatever it may be, 
is the idea that the game ends and then everyone's hugging and then you say afterwards, like, you know, it's just a business. Uh, You know, we come out here, we play, but we're all good afterwards and you move on. Like, yes, that is what it is, but the fans don't want to see it that way. The fans don't want to see you exchanging jerseys as Micah was with Christian McCaffrey. Exactly. No one wants to see afterwards everyone's hugging and kissing and celebrating and changing jerseys and and because there are Dallas fans walking out of Levi's Stadium that are devastated. And now, This isn't to say that the players don't have a right to feel that way. Obviously, it's a business to them. We get it. It's just from a fan's perspective, we see it differently. We live and die with these games. Like if I'm a Baltimore fan, it's killing me that we lost that game to the Steelers. It's it's absolutely killing me. I don't want to hear anything about tipping the hat or they were the better team. If I'm a Cowboy fan, I want to hear Micah saying what he's saying. And if I'm a Niner fan... I want to see George Kittle flashing that that Visit Dallas tourism t-shirt. And then I also want to hear Debo saying that. I love this because there's nothing wrong with this. There's no harm in this. This is the rivalry being what it's supposed to be, and it gets the fans behind it. So bravo to everyone. Now, on Micah's side of the equation, I'm not so sure you're necessarily going to have something for them next time around. I think you personally will. But banking on your head coach, your quarterback, and the rest of your teammates – I'd be careful because I don't really think there's a whole lot that's going to go different the next time around. You might keep it a little bit closer, sure, but I mean, what are you going to do? How no. do you how do you limit that gap? You got beat by 32. You were never well, in it. Here's what we were talking about leading up to this game and why I felt like it was going to be a blowout. It's because one team is physically superior to the other team and the Cowboys, let's just call it what it is. There, there's an idea that they are this tough physical team, but that's just Fugazi. I mean, tough physical team is the San Francisco 49ers. And what would bother me the most if I were the Cowboys is the fact that that average offensive line shoved us around and made us look silly. And that is the kind of beating that I don't think you come back so easily from. I don't think it's one of those things, well, well, we'll get another opportunity and we'll see him in the playoffs and things will be different then. Why? Because I saw a stark difference, Joe, between the talent on the San Francisco 49ers and the talent on the Dallas Cowboys. And that's why the Cowboys are not even a second-tier team now. They're a third-tier team in the NFC. Mm. The last two losses. Who would you rather have right now, Lions or Cowboys? Lions. It's now the Lions. I'd rather yep. if I had if I had an option where it's you got one of these two teams to win the NFC, Lions or Cowboys, who would you take? I take the Lions. I take the Lions because I know they're gonna fight. See, that's the thing with Dan Campbell. They lost that game to Seattle. That game went overtime. They fought. They had a lead in that game. They let it get away from them, sure. But, you know, they fought. Dallas didn't even fight in this game. I've seen that too many times from the Cowboys where they just roll over and die. And that's why I would never want my money invested in them if given the option to take a team that I know is going to put up a fight. I want to go down swinging if I'm going down at all. You see, for the Cowboys, the last two times they faced the Niners where they were knocked out of the playoffs, they scored 12 points and 17 points. It was easy to say we lost both those games by one score. The offense didn't show up, but the defense did its job. This time around, nobody did their job. Nobody. Coaching gets an F. Offense gets an F, defense gets an F. I don't know between now and a potential playoff rematch where you're going to make that ground up. Because it's not like you're getting healthier on the defensive side of the ball. It's not like you're going to get all that much better with your quarterback. 
I don't think your coaching's all of a sudden going to improve after two plus decades. You're going to go into that matchup and you're going to, you're going to deploy the H word, which is the scariest word for a fan base in all of professional sports. You're going to hope you're going to hope things are different. You're not going to make them different. You're just going to hope they're different. In a lot of ways, it's the worst word in sports. And I know that fans who have been in the darkness for some time, not specifically here, but in other places, rely on hope in a big, big way. And it can really do a number on you. Now, having said that, as we look at the Cowboys and we look at the 49ers, why is that gap there? Well, the owner this morning, Jerry Jones, goes on 105.3, the fan in Dallas, and once again backs up his quarterback. Dak Prescott is a quarterback that can get us to the Super Bowl, and um, uh, that's that's, uh, that's the way that's going to be. Uh, we have uh, other quarterbacks on that roster, and uh, and, and uh, um, players that uh, certainly, if something should happen to Dak. But I want to be real clear: uh, Dak's very capable of making this team be where we want it to go. Well. What makes me definitively believe that? Because we are in year eight, and there has not been a sniff in that direction. So the bigger problem maybe isn't the quarterback, Joe. The bigger problem is maybe the people who are picking the quarterback, the people who are picking the personnel. The Cowboys have been very good for years. The Cowboys have never been great in the last 30 years. Not since they won their last Super Bowl. They have never once been a great team. They have not been to a conference championship game, let alone a Super Bowl, since what, 1995, 1996? I mean, that's an awfully long time. So instead of looking at the quarterback and continuing to uh, insist that he's going to get you there, stop talking yourself into it because you're the guys that picked them. When I look at the difference between the good teams over the last 10 to 12 years in the NFC and the Cowboys, the the really good teams, it has more to do with the people who are selecting the players and coaching than it has to do with whoever the owner is. Unfortunately, in this case, the owner just has no interest in firing the GM because he is the GM. Yeah, that's certainly, certainly something. I think it also comes down to a big part in coaching, you know, McCarthy of which was hired by Jerry. So it all comes back to the man at the top. But the coaching here, you look at what he's up against in the NFC. In Philadelphia, Nick Sirianni, young guy, first year on the job, can relate to the locker room. Innovative, the tush push, going for it on fourth down, understanding when to go for it in the two-point conversion. He gets it. Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, young guy understands the locker room, understands how to relate to the culture these days, right? Players don't necessarily want a guy in their face screaming at him like they did 30 years ago. Like, that doesn't work anymore. You got to be able to handle how these guys are coming up, how they're different. Understands when to go for it on two, two, the two-point conversions and field goals for the most part. Shanahan's game management at times has been questionable, but still better than McCarthy's. And then you got Dan Campbell in Detroit, you know, a real players coach. Guy who's it's his first gig, you know, a younger guy. He gets the locker room. He knows how to motivate and he knows how to be aggressive with his play calling. Like those are the three teams right now that Dallas is up against. And what are they trotting out at head coach? Mike McCarthy, who won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, you know, 15 years ago. 
and is, you know, trying to find his way. Fourth down, he'll probably punt, live to fight another day. And that's the situation. Like, it's a different ball game now in the NFL. There's a different way of doing things. There's a different way of managing games. There's a different way of creating small edges here and there that can give you a chance to win football games. Some coaches understand this. Some do not. Look at Josh McDaniels of the Raiders last night. What is he doing kicking that field goal at the end of the game? (laughs) What's he doing? Every week, Josh McDaniels has a big decision in front of him, and every week he makes the wrong decision. Go for it. Put the game away. Okay, you don't want to go for it. Fine. But now you're in a situation that instead of having a chance to control this game and win it and win this damn game against a Packer team that's not very good defending the run, you're going to kick. Now, if you make that kick, Green Bay gets the ball back and they need a touchdown. If you miss that kick, Green Bay's got excellent field position and they can still beat you. You missed the kick. It was the worst possible scenario. You're lucky you got bailed out by yet another interception. It's just, it's fascinating to me that some of these guys just are unwilling at, at every single turn to embrace proper decision making because whatever their mindset is, they think they'd be making the wrong decision. It's shocking to me. Uh, and by the way, don't forget about the lost 40 seconds at the end of the first half when he didn't call timeout and he kept, held on to the second timeout as opposed to keeping an extra. Yeah, I only have so much seconds. time. I only have. There's only so much time for this radio show. I cannot do McDaniel's all day, I every know. day. I just cannot believe some of the decision making. It's Carlin versus Joe ESPN radio. We are presented by progressive insurance insurance for motorcycles, boats and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and at progressive.com. At least McDaniel's, you know, kneeled down at the end of the game. (laughs) That doesn't always happen anymore. Uh, It may or may not be. It may not be a complete coaching issue at Dallas. But it is for one NFL team. Joe, I have a question. Yeah. Why do I have trouble reading? There's a, you know what? I can help you with that. I, I taught a six-year-old and I'm currently teaching a four-year-old. I'm very really? good at it. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I need a refresher course. Let's get you the Dolch sight words and we're going to start there. We'll, we'll go through the Dolch sight words. And when you get 80% of them correct, we'll move on to our starter books. See, I, I more like the Sesame Street way of when they take two syllables and jam them together. You know, <laughs> Sesame Street's the, the goat, man. Oh, absolutely. No <sighs> Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Slide on your speedo. Chris Carlin in the his house. Put on those floaties and grab a margarita. It's a Carlin versus Joe Pool party. I'll tell you, I was pretty good at the cannonball back in my day. Yeah. I haven't done one in a while. Did you ever do the jackknife one leg out? Yeah, I've done the jackknife. I'm 42. If I told you I hadn't done a jackknife, what would you say? Listen, I don't know where and how you grew up. I don't know what your upbringing was. If you hadn't done a jackknife, I would question it. But you have. You call it the just can opener or the jackknife? Just making conversation, Joe. Just making conversation. <laughs> Joe, I hear you stretch before you go in the pool. I stretch before I go to the pool, not in the pool. It's a gotcha, difference. Gotcha. I've what, made this what? very clear. I know a lot of people have a problem with this. I go to Mexico at the end of February. It's a long football season. It's the one time a year my wife and I get away. Everything else is with the kids. We love them. Don't get me wrong. But you have the one getaway. We stay at a nice resort down there, and I like to get a nice stretch in before I go down to the pool. I'm going to be down there for a while. I'm going to consume quite a bit of alcohol, ceviche, guacamole. I need a good stretch. You got to go down there. You got to be prepared to win. I'm down there trying to win championships. People think it's odd that I stretch before I go to the pool. It's odd for you to go down there all tight. That's odd to me. Uh, okay. uh, why? I have never had to stretch before drinking. I have never well, had to warm up. Well, how would you define your physical condition at the current moment? One that does not require stretching. Oh, yeah? That's how I would, def- <laughs> that's how I would define it. Your body's it. your temple? Well, listen, all I would say is last week after one of the shows, I did get up and the hammies were a little tight. See? And that's from sitting. You're, yes. you're getting hurt from sitting. I, oh, like you haven't. Come on. I don't sit. I got the stand-up desk here. Oh, God. You're one of those people. Well, the thing is, I, I, the setup I had before we started this show, I was, I was really hunched forward, really yeah. hunched forward to reach the mic. And I was looking at my wife, and I go, if I do this 15 hours a week, I'm going to be dead in three years. I'm just going to look like, you know, the hunchback of Notre Dame, as they'd say. But that's neither here nor there. You ready to play a little pool party? Yeah, let's do it. Do we have to stretch? No, you don't have to stretch if you don't want to. This is a personal choice. And for everyone who's got a problem with it, deal with it. It's not your thing. It's my thing. So here we go. We have a series of pools. you got to pick your favorite option. Pool number one, who has done the worst coaching job through the first five games of the season? Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, Sean Payton, Matt Eberflus. 
Bill Belichick. Really? I mean, they've beaten they've been beaten seventy two to three the last two weeks. Their defense, yes, you lost Judon. Yes, you lost Christian Gonzalez. It should not be this bad. And you should not lose 34 to nothing at home to an, not, I can't even say excitingly average, to a boringly <laughs> average New Orleans Saints team. Belichick has done the worst job. At least Eberflus the other night had them come out and play, and they showed up against Washington. Peyton, I, I tend to blame Russ more. And with McDaniels, it's been bad with the decision-making, but he's won a couple of games here. Yeah, McDaniels has won two games, and it's the Raiders. They weren't expected to do a whole lot this year, so it's not going to be him. Eberflus, it's crazy the difference one week makes. Because if they lose that game to the Commanders, we're taking him unanimously here. I think oh, it's yeah. Peyton over Belichick. Both have done a bad job this year. Peyton is presiding over the worst defense in the NFL. The offense has gotten a little bit better, but he's at odds with his quarterback to where they're headed for a divorce. They are borderline dysfunctional right now. That is a huge problem. You could say the same thing about the Bears, but they won one game and everyone's back on the train. Pool number two, Mm. the NFC North quarterback for the long term. Which of the following NFC North quarterbacks would you rather have for the long term? Jordan Love, Kirk Cousins, or Justin Fields? We're leaving Jared Goff off the list because he would be the obvious choice most likely. I would still go with Justin Fields. I, I am a Justin Fields truther, believer, everything that you could say that would be positive about Justin Fields, I'm in on. I, I, I won't lie, there were a few weeks earlier in the year where it was raising an eyebrow or two to how he was playing, but even though it's been against bad defense the last couple of weeks, there's been enough there that shows me he's headed in the right direction. I would tend to agree. Cousins is in his 30s. We know what we have with Cousins, so there's not a whole lot more that's, you know, left to be determined. Jordan Love has struggled a little bit. While there could be upside there, I'd like to see Fields with a different coaching staff, one that kind of understands offense a little bit better. So I'd agree with you, although I don't have a whole lot of faith in any of those options moving forward. Pool party number three. Mm-hmm. With Miami running back Devin Achan going to IR, who is the favorite for Offensive Rookie of the Year through five games? Texans quarterback C.J. Stroud, Rams wide receiver Puka Nakua, or Lions tight end Sam Laporta? Nakua. It has to be Nakua. I mean, he leads the league in catches right now, and I think he's second in yards. I mean, when you're putting up those kind of numbers and you're doing it, after Cooper Cup went down with injury, uh, that speaks to what you are as a young player. And just to talk to people out there, like he was a guy that immediately opened a lot of eyes as somebody that just tends to find his way open. And that's the most impressive part of it. I would say C.J. Stroud has been terrific. And I have liked Sam Laporta since he was at Iowa. Now, Iowa, for being atrocious offensively, for years and years and years, they do churn out those tight ends, boy. They really do. Hawkinson, and offensive linemen. They yeah. churn out offensive linemen, too. It's amazing how many offensive players go to the NFL from an offense that never scores any points. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's fair to say. It's very fair to say. I love the Nakua story. He's been fantastic. I would go with Stroud. He's got the record. He has yet to throw an interception. He's thrown over 180 passes as a pro. He has yet to get picked off. He's playing behind a bad offensive line. He doesn't have a whole lot of weapons around him. I think it's always going to, with me, it's always going to be the quarterback gets the edge. Nakua is a great story. He deserves every bit of the credit he's getting and the people who vote for him, I'm not going to tell you they're wrong. I'm just going to go with C.J. Stroud. Final pool party for you. The division leader, current division leader who will miss the playoffs. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Steelers. Mm. I mean, listen, the NFC South, even though they're 3-1, and one, it's garbage. But I still think that they are at the top of the heap, so to speak, of that garbage. Uh, the Steelers, to me, at 3-2 and two right now with a negative point differential, have just been ridiculously lucky in everything. This is not the Mike Tomlin unbelievable coaching job situation. I think they had a game handed to them on Sunday. I think when all is said and done, you're still looking at a 6-7 to seven win team. Hard to disagree, but it wouldn't surprise me if this year the Steelers turn out to be, you know, last year's Minnesota Vikings, right? Like, we all see that there are flaws, but every single time there's a coin flip, it's just heads coming up 12 times in a row. Or it's black at the roulette table coming up 13 times in a row to where they catch the break on every single coin flip like Minnesota did. Because Cleveland gave them a win this year, and Baltimore gave them a win. Wouldn't be surprised if it happens a few more times. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and at Progressive.com. The puck drops on the NHL season tonight. And one of the best players who has not won a Stanley Cup joins us next to tell him, to tell us, <laughs> to tell somebody to tell the world if this is the year for him to get his first championship that's after this message from our friends at indeed who once again have reminded us they want me chris carlin <laughs> to read their copy this is the carlin versus joe podcast on espn radio robert half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. up the NHL season tonight, 5.30 Eastern, Predators and Lightning, 8 p.m. It's the Penguins hosting number one overall pick, Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks, and then the defending Stanley Cup champion Golden Knights host the Seattle Kraken, 10.30 p.m. Eastern. Eric Carlson, the three-time Norris Trophy winning defenseman for the Penguins, joins us now on Carlin versus Joe. Eric, it's Chris Carlin and Joe Fortenbaugh. We appreciate the time. And listen, personally, I'm just going to start here. 
because you have to be a guy that I'm going to get along with when I read about your love of hot dogs, and I have to know specifically what the deal is with the Bell Center and Montreal and why that hot dog excels above all else. Oh, well, first off, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, and, yeah, I don't know on the hot dog terp, uh, topic there. Um, I just think that maybe, you know, coming from Sweden, like growing up, we ate a certain type of hot dog and they looked a certain way. And uh, they're very similar in, in Montreal. And I think, um, you know, it's different from, you know, anything else a little bit, just the way that they are shaped and how small they are and, how they taste and they taste very similar to home. So <laughs> first time I tried them there and I got introduced to them, it's kind of just, you know, every time I go there now, I, I, I just end up eating them and it kind of just became a thing. <laughs> you know, we're big on, well, we're big on doing our research around these parts and we came across yeah. some information <laughs> from a, uh, a yeah, teammate. That's, that's really, that's really good research from you guys there. I, I, hey, listen, your career is interesting. Know. Let's talk hot dogs. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That's all I care about. <laughs> Forget about researching hot, over there. Yeah, forget about the high-level quality defense you've played for more than a decade. Uh, how do you feel about hot dogs? Which leads us into question number two. You know, longtime teammate of yours, Mark Mathot, he talked recently about how you're a pretty big prankster. When you would go to his house, you wouldn't park in the driveway. You would park in the lawn. Is that true? <laughs> I mean, yes and no. Uh, I'm not going to deny that I haven't. <laughs> but I'm also going to say that, you know, if, if if the driveway was full or he parked his vehicles in a very weird way for no one else to be able to park there, then I would just park wherever I saw fit because he <laughs> didn't really like to have people over to his place or, uh, you know, hang, hang out in, in large groups. So um, anytime I went over there, you know, I, I made my presence known uh, in a good way or a bad way. Uh, I would just show up whenever I felt like it just to kind of annoy him a little bit sometimes. And obviously the, the parking situation, uh, you know, annoyed him a lot. <laughs> well, listen, that sounds like a him problem more yeah. than anything else. That yeah, doesn't sound like it's your problem. That's too. That's, it's a his problem. I don't care. <laughs> the driveway. <laughs> All right, Eric, let's get into I the. Also, I was also young at the time, so. <laughs> you know, I like to do stuff like that. I don't think I would do that now. Because now I have the, and, and, you know, a lawn of my own, and that would piss me off, too. <laughs> All right, Eric, you get traded to the Penguins this offseason. Tell me about the experience, what it's been like so far, and what your initial reaction was when you found out about the trade. Well, I think it's been it's been great. I, I mean, obviously, you know, it dragged out a little bit longer than I was hoping for. Uh, you know, I was hoping to have a little bit more time to, to get settled in with, uh, you know, certain stuff. But, um, you know, I'm happy that, that it did happen eventually and that it went here. And, um, you know, I think ever since I got here, um, both me and my family, I think it's been it's been really good. Um, you know, I think it's been pleasantly uh, surprised about a lot of things and you know we didn't really know much about Pittsburgh per se uh, you know other than playing against them for for a long time uh, but you know just from the living situation here and you know how the organization is operating and, and you know the people uh, within it uh, didn't know much and uh, everything has been uh, uh, pleasantly surprised 
You know, this is a franchise that's won three Stanley Cups over the last 15 years. For you, you've achieved everything you can possibly achieve individually. You've put up a remarkable career. Obviously, the Cup has eluded you to this point. So how important was it for you that if you were going to end up with a new team, that it was going to be with a Cup contender? No, I think that was the main objective uh, for me, you know, in the stage of my career. Um, you know, this was strictly, you know, based on a hockey decision and, and nothing else. Um, you know, I think I've alluded on it enough, but, you know, I enjoyed my time in San Jose and I think me and my family were very happy living there. And, um, you know, it, it gave us a lot of good memories and, you know, it wasn't easy uprooting that. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I'm doing this for, for a certain period of time. And, and uh, you know, I felt like it was time for me to, uh, you know, go in a different direction and, and you know, same for, for, you know, the organization there. And, and, you know, Pittsburgh, you know, obviously fills the mold for, for ultimate success. Uh, it's what they've had here over such a long period of time. And, and, you know, I still feel like the people that they have here uh, are still hungry for that and achieving more and, and not being satisfied. And, and, um, you know, when you talk about, you know, the Penguins as, as a whole, uh, it's like you said, I think it's, it's one of the ultimate, uh, you know, competitors and, uh, you know, they've achieved more than uh, the most organizations during a, that time period has. So uh, I'm very happy to, to be part of that and, and uh, you know, start a new chapter and learn a lot of new things. And, and I'm very excited for, uh, you know, uh, the journey that we're about to start here, uh, you know, come tonight. Eric Carlson starting his Pittsburgh Penguins career this evening. They're hosting the Blackhawks uh, on ESPN as part of their triple header to start the NHL season. He is joining us, Carlin versus Joe on ESPN radio. All right. So Connor Bedard's the number one overall pick. He and the Blackhawks come in. Uh, does any part of you think about the chance that maybe, you, you know, give them a little welcome to the NHL type moment around center <laughs> ice? <laughs> No, not really, unfortunately. You know, I think that, um, you know, we're going to focus on the things that, you know, we want to accomplish and the things that we want to do. We're obviously going to prepare for, you know, the Blackhawks tomorrow. Uh, obviously him, personally, you know, it's his first game in the league. You know, with as much talk as it's been, I'm sure that he's he's going to be the most excited out of anyone to finally get going and, and you know, move along with the narrative. Um, so it's, it's, a big, it's a big day for him. It's a big night. And, you know, he gets to play against, uh, you know, one of the all-time greats and, and you know, my new teammate Sid, and, and I'm sure that's a big thing. Um, uh, so it's going to be a special night uh, for a lot of people tomorrow. Uh, and, you know, as regards for, for us, I think that we're going to do what we can and focus on, on our things. And, and um, after the game, you know, maybe, maybe there'll be some more talk about it, but uh, we're going to be dialed in for tomorrow. You know, you're a three-time Norris Trophy winner. You're a four-time All-Star, five-time first-team All-Star, all-decade second-team. The, the resume goes on and on. I think what a lot of people don't know is that when you were 16 years old, you nearly quit the sport of hockey. Can you take us through that for a minute? Like, what were you going through, and, and what changed your mind to get you back on the ice? Well, I mean, it's a long story, and I'm not going to really uh, get into it. But, yeah, um, you know, I had a – had a period there where, you know, uh, you know, I was in a stage in my life where I wasn't sure if I wanted to dedicate all that I had to it to to play this sport, and uh, you know, I went through a, a lot of soul searching, and uh, you know, luckily, 
you know, my family and uh, some other people kind of got me around to, uh, you know, try and continue this journey. And I'll be forever grateful to that because, um, you know, it could have easily gone the other way too. Eric, last one. What excites you the most for the start of this season about this team in Pittsburgh? No, I mean, I, I just think the the potential, um, you know, the potential that we have in the room and the people that we have in there that, um, you know, are very successful and have accomplished so much, uh, you know, that knows what it takes to uh, to go all the way and, and a lot of us that, that doesn't, um, you know, so I'm just excited to, to surround myself with people that, you know, know what it takes to win and to find new ways be able to do that together, I think it's going to be uh, the, the most fun part of it all. Well, listen, during this interview, I just booked my next vacation to Montreal just for the hot dogs. I got to hear, I gotta, <laughs> I've got to get uh, some sort of a feel for what these things are. If they're that special that you have to eat them before the games when you're up there. Yeah, I mean, Montreal, uh, you know, is, is a great cultural city and, and, you know, the food experience there is amazing. And, um, you know, I usually go there a couple of times myself in the summer just to enjoy the scenery and the people and, uh, you know, everything that Montreal has to offer. So uh, good on you for going there. And hopefully you didn't go, uh, you know, in the dead of winter. <laughs> well, listen, uh, again, cultural, that's great. International food, that's fine. Hot dogs, Hot that's dogs. where we're at here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where else to find them, though. So I only know where to find them down in the locker room. In, in I'll the find them. Don't worry. Hit. So I have no other tips for you there where you can go and locate them. That's all right. We'll find them. Thanks, Eric. Listen, good luck. We appreciate your time, man. Have a lot of fun in Pittsburgh. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. I did not anticipate talking that much about hot dogs with Eric Carlson, but here we are. That happens. You find out a guy likes hot dogs, we're going to pry, and we're going to get to the bottom of it, and we're going to get recommendations. And I think we came away with all of that. I, I, don't, I don't walk away from that regretting a thing. <laughs> Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. My friends, in just moments... If you did the old switcheroo between two NFL quarterbacks, would you have a much different result? That's next on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Very interesting discussion yesterday on Get Up regarding what the situation would be if you put somebody else in Brock Purdy's shoes and the level of success that they would have. Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80. It was uh, Rex Ryan and Dan Orlovsky having this discussion, ESPN NFL analysts from Get Up Yesterday, as I said. And Dan is of the opinion that if you took Mac Jones and Brock Purdy and you flip them for situations that they're in, and you put Mac Jones in San Francisco, that he would be having, well, just as much success. 
Here it is, that whole discussion. Mac Jones was in San Francisco. He would be playing like Brock Birdie. I actually agree. Oh, God, no. Yes, dude. No, there's no chance. He'd he'd be better than he is, but if you think he's going to play like Brock Purdy, you haven't paid attention to Brock Purdy. That is a slap in his face. No, it's not. not He's not just a system quarterback. That guy's playing like Joe Montana, not not Joe Montana, like this guy's playing. (laughs) Stop, Dano, stop. Did we pay attention to Mac Jones? his rookie year. So that never yes. happened? No, I did. And I even called him a pea shooter then. He did. It, it, no quarterback is going to be successful in New England. Listen, that may be the case right now. Did Bill O'Brien all of a sudden forget how to coach? I mean, Bill O'Brien was brought in there to fix Matt Jones after they put a defensive coordinator and a special teams coach with him last year. So... Honestly, I think we're starting to see that the problem might have more to do with Mac Jones than it has to do with anything else. I look at Brock Purdy, and the guy is impressive in every single way. And I can't get away from the fact that he has a lot more to work with, but the trust level that we have discussed that exists between Purdy and his head coach, Kyle Shanahan, the fact that Shanahan basically thinks he can open up the offense and do anything he wants with Purdy because he processes information so quickly. I think Dan's out of his mind. Well, if he's just trying to convey the point that Jones would be better in San Francisco than he is in New England, then that point I think most people would accept because it's hard to be worse than you are right now. You'd have more weapons. You'd have a better offensive mind coaching you. You'd have an opportunity to play better. But to play the same as Brock Purdy, I wouldn't go that far. I think Jones, one thing I didn't hear addressed by anyone there, and that was a relatively short clip, Jones is immature. Jones has been seen repeatedly on the sidelines, slamming his helmet, yelling at coaches. Every few weeks, something pops up about a dirty play, hitting someone in the junk, doing this, doing that. Like, there's a lot about Mac Jones that just screams immature. It's okay. He's a young guy. Things happen. You're not going to get punished horribly for something like that. It's not the first time we've seen it, but you don't see that with Purdy. You see leadership qualities with Purdy. You see a guy who's bought in, a guy who understands his place amongst the team, a guy who understands that there's more to this than just him. And as a result, they're having great success. I don't know if Mac Jones would be that guy. What I'm seeing New England is, is, is immaturity and a lack of leadership at times. And I don't see that from Brock Purdy. So I'm not just going to assume you could step into this offense and play as well when you don't seem to handle adversity all that well. And sometimes that's what happens with the guys from Alabama. Not all of them, not a blanket statement, but you're so used to winning at Alabama. You're so used to success. You are surrounded by elite talent. At, at Alabama, Mac Jones had nothing but NFL offensive linemen, NFL running backs, and NFL wide receivers to throw to. And now he doesn't necessarily have that edge in New England. And he's not producing the same as he did at Alabama as a result. It's not all on him, but it does highlight the fact that when everything is perfect around him, he can produce at a pretty high level. But here, with adversity, it's not like he's raising the game of anyone around him right now. Can we also throw in the fact that, you know, according to all accounts, that he and Bailey Zappi can't stand each other? Like, there is a a bit of a problem there in that relationship. And given what we see from Mac Jones and his lack of maturity, I'm just going to make an assumption that a good portion of that disagreement has to do with Mac Jones, especially when you're the guy in front always being concerned about the guy who is behind you. I, I don't think for a second he might be better, okay? 
he might have figured out how to be more mature, they would not be getting this level of play from him in San Francisco. I mean, we, we have already established, Joe, that it's not all the coaching because Trey Lance is gone. Right. I mean, they gave everything for Trey Lance, and he's already out the door. Garoppolo, they were willing to move on from. They they were more than happy to do all this because they felt like they needed somebody who was going to be better and be able to work with the head coach and do it in a really efficient way like Purdy does. I'd still love to know what happened with that draft where they traded all the way up and the rumor was they went up to get Jones and then changed their mind to Lance. One day that's going to be a great 30 for 30 short. You know what? Maybe they figured out that Mac Jones was a little bit immature and was not ready for the big stage in that spot. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 